before we, we come to God's Word, we're, we're going to read in, uh, in a moment or two from uh, Daniel chapter 3. Um, one of my privileges is to be able to, to stand up in front of a church or congregation and on, uh, on BMS behalf say thank you to you for your, your praying and your giving in the case of this church over many, many years. I, I have a, a dream, if you like, that I'm not echoing some great speech from, from years gone by, but I genuinely have a hope and a desire in my heart that the, the Baptist church family in the UK will continue to work together to achieve something in God's world that no one church could do in its own. And BMS has been at the heart of that, and that's, that's what we're about without your partnership and your giving, and without your brothers and sisters across, uh, across Scotland, across England, across Wales, and sometime I pray the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland to working together to do something in mission that on our own we simply could not do. So thank you for your, your part in that great vision of taking the Word of God and the hope and the healing of the gospel to, to those who desperately need it. Some of those folk don't live a million miles away from us either. In the streets around this church even, that task of world mission needs to be done by people like you and I. More of that in, in a moment or two. So, so thank you for your, your partnership. Uh, around the church this morning, I've scattered some BMS magazines and uh, prayer guides some of you might uh, receive those through the post. Uh, they are mailed free every quarter. So take the ones that are, are there uh, away with you this morning. Um, if you like what you see, then just ask. And uh, we will gladly add you to our mailing list and uh, send you those resources. They're not to make BMS look good. They're, they're there to, to keep you informed what you're giving and your praying is doing, and to invite you and encourage you, therefore, uh, to pray with us as, as God reveals His plan and His direction. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 3 in, uh, in the Old Testament. This is, uh, if you know your Bibles, this is one of the stories that you learn in Sunday school, isn't it? And, and we're zooming in on Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Abednego. Uh, it's the longest chapter, so I'm going to read uh, the, the key kind of verses that we're going to look at this morning. So, uh, Daniel chapter 3, and uh, if you scoot down to verse 12, we'll read from there uh, to the ver end of verse 18. So, the scene is, Nebuchadnezzar is king. And he rules everything with an iron fist. Nobody contradicts, questions, or denies, or goes against him. And he's had this statue made. And of course, we all know the deal is, when the orchestra plays, you stop what you're doing, and you bow down and worship it. And if you don't, there are consequences. So verse 12 and we've got the, um, the astrologers, who were the wise men of the day, come into the king's presence, and they're telling tales. 
And that's where we join the story, verse 12. But there are some Jews, they say, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? <coughs> now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. May God give us wisdom as we seek to understand His, His Word. So, let me first of all offer my congratulations, 173 years. Actually, looking at your website, uh, at first I wasn't sure whether it was 173 years or indeed 199. It depends how you start counting. Uh, read the, the history page on your, on your own website and you, you'll see exactly what I mean. So, either way, uh, congratulations. Uh, I won't make the quip about some of the original members are obviously still here because that would be below the belt, so I didn't say that, okay? But of course, uh, a church anniversary is a moment to, to pause. It's a moment to look back down the, the road that we've, we've traveled and to say, Lord, for the years, your love has kept and guided. And it's a moment to stand on those promises and all that that history has taught us and look to the future. And we live in a fast-changing world, do we not? And to say that that Lord of the years will hold us for all that the future has ahead of us, the good bits and the not-so-good bits. God is in the midst of of all the struggles and the joys that we face. And this moment is a good moment to look back with thanksgiving and to look forward with hope. In my, in my own church uh, in Oxfordshire, where I now live, over the last few weeks we've been looking at some of the the heroes of faith, those commended for their faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and the key verse that we've had is Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you cannot see. And if I were to give you a text 
today, it would be that one. Faith and certainty go hand in hand because our faith is in God, not in some wishful thinking that we might have. The beginnings of this church are closely linked to the preaching and the mission work of the Haldane brothers. And a local church was planted here in 1817, and so the story began. And in, in their wake, as it were, we stand today. Well, here's my first challenge for you. In 173 years' time, when people look back to this date, will they be able to say of you, we stand here because of their faith, their willingness to sacrifice and take risks and give and make Jesus known? I have observed, and I am fearful that too many of our churches do not take enough risk in making Jesus known. We're not talking about throwing all caution to the wind. We are talking about taking appropriate risks and accepting the cost of making Jesus known. So, when's the last time you took a risk? In the previous church that I pastored in uh, Somerset before I joined BMS, there was a lady in our congregation who, at the age of 62, I think it was, jumped out of a perfectly decent aircraft with nothing but a parachute and a bloke strapped to her back. I think that sounds risky. And there's a a guy, a Scot, as it happened, that I met uh, in Somerset as well, uh, an ex-Marine uh, for a number of years was stationed in South Africa, and whenever he gets the chance, travels back there to a, a narrow metal footbridge over a 300-foot gorge, and he'll jump off with some elastic tied around his ankles. Right? Don't know about you, but I think that's risky. And then at the other end of the scale, there are those who wouldn't, it appears, say boo to a goose. There are those who, for example, come up to a mini roundabout and, and stop for quite a few long minutes, looking left and looking right and looking left and looking right before they'll venture to put the car in gear and drive forward just in case. Something comes from the other direction. Now, I suspect that most of us are somewhere between those, those extremes. When's the last time you took a risk for Jesus? When's the last time you opened your mouth to tell someone that you're a follower of Jesus? Let's cut to the chase. Unless we do, this church will not grow, because you cannot leave it all to Him. He's part of your team. Team captain, yes, but part of the team. You share a common responsibility 
to make Jesus known. And if you don't, this church won't grow. And if this church isn't growing, then God's kingdom isn't growing in this place. When's the last time you took a risk and spoke out for Jesus? This evening, we'll, we'll be sharing one or two stories um, from contemporary mission that BMS is involved in on your behalf these days. And, and you'll see some people who are taking risks. But if you think they're, they're taking risks, oh, that's because they're, they're mission workers, and you're not, then I'm afraid you'd be wrong. The Bible I read tells us that we're all mission workers. We're all evangelists. We're all missionaries. Geography is the only difference. The calling is the same. The Lord Jesus is the same. The need to speak out for Him here and over there, wherever there is, is the same. And there are risks to be taken. When we come to this passage in Daniel, we come to three young men, followers of the God of Israel, who put their lives on the line. Please make no mistake. When they said no to Nebuchadnezzar, when they were dragged into his court to explain themselves, be under no illusion. These guys thought they were going to die. They didn't think they were going to get away with it. They thought that Nebuchadnezzar was going to sentence them to death in a furnace, and he did. But the reason we love this story so much from Sunday school is that God did the business, didn't he? He stepped in, and, and if we had read later on into uh, chapter 3, we would have heard that uh, Nebuchadnezzar observed not just three in the furnace, but four. Now, we don't know who that fourth was exactly, but I'll tell you who it represents. It represents God of the years standing with them in the midst of their troubled circumstances. And that same God will stand with you. The world may not see him and the world may not recognize him, just as Nebuchadnezzar did not. But such is God's miraculous intervention in this story that the three come out not even smelling of smoke. Our God is an awesome God. Only He would have the power to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the flames. You ever thought it's odd that there was a furnace to hand? Was Nebuchadnezzar really that cruel that he kind of kept a furnace going just in case somebody got it wrong and was able to, to throw them in? I, I suspect the furnace is there for no other reason than that's where the statue was built and the furnace would have been used in the fabrication of the statue and so it happened to be there. And Nebuchadnezzar uses it and says, if you don't do this, then that will happen. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego take the risk. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar finds out, and he's furious with rage. Now, you, you need to understand this guy's mentality. 
He was absolutely fit to burst. He was raging mad. Why? Because no one dared disobey him. Nobody dared stand up against him. He thought he was God. And so we're now beginning to see the scale of the risk that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took. And God delivered them. What if? What if they had died in the flames? Would we say they were wrong to take that risk? Would we say they had read the situation incorrectly? I mean, let's face it, when, when, the, when the orchestra played and everybody stopped what they were doing, turned around in the direction of this 90-foot statue that Nebuchadnezzar had created to bow down and worship this thing, they could just have stopped what they're doing and kind of gone through the motions, but in their heart, they were worshiping God. No, it wasn't enough for them. They had to make clear who they belonged to and whom they served, and it certainly wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. And I wonder if sometimes we're left in the position where in a conversation at work or among our family or with folk in the street or at college or school or uni or whatever, and, and we kind of nod and kind of go along with the, the rubbish that's been spoken, and, and inside you're saying, no, I, that's not right. That's not the God that I worship. And we don't say a thing. And I, I want us to be challenged by the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I also want us to know that for all the risks that God calls us to take, our lives are ultimately in His hands. Whether humanly speaking, the world sees success as, we, as we've seen in Daniel 3 or not, our lives are in God's hands. Our responsibility is to step up to the plate when the opportunity arises and say, I belong to the King of Kings. And whether we survive that moment or not, our lives are in God's hands. BMS had a, a family living and working in Afghanistan, one of the more risky places to be uh, in God's world uh, at the moment. And they, they came home uh, for a couple of reasons. They came home for a short time for uh, the birth of uh, one of their children uh, and also to visit their supporting churches and, and explain what's going on and, and invite the churches to continue to support them and pray with them and, and so on. And then something happened in Kabul. Uh, a Christian NGO worker was shot and killed in broad daylight. And then there was a, a security clampdown again in Afghanistan, Kabul uh, in particular. And of course, they found themselves wrestling with the question, should we go back? And they concluded that the safest place for them to be was where God wanted them to be and they returned to Afghanistan. 
They have, in fact, since relocated from Afghanistan. They are now uh, living and working in Nepal. So from guns and bullets to earthquakes, I'm not sure which is safer. But they would say, if they were here with me this morning, they would say to you, where geographically doesn't matter, where spiritually does. The safest place is to be where God wants us to be. And as we step up to the plate, taking a risk to speak out for Jesus, there will be moments when change occurs and miracles take place and lives turn to Him for the first time. There'll be other times when we are mocked or ridiculed. I don't think any one of you will lose your life in this country for speaking out for Jesus. You might lose face. And white people might think that you come slightly from left of field or something. When the opportunity arises, I'm asking you as individuals, are you willing to step up to the plate as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did and speak out about your Christian faith? I'm asking you as a church, what are the risks that God is asking you to take in mission and ministry in this town for this generation in making Jesus known. As we stand on this moment that pivots from those years of God's faithfulness to whatever God has ahead of us, are we willing to follow Him and take risks? I fear that too many of our churches simply are not. God is in the business even today, of changing lives. And we can be part of that story if we are willing to take risks. It's not about abandoning common sense. We don't ask mission workers in Afghanistan uh, to shout their mouths off at every opportunity that they're Christians and they follow the Lord Jesus because they would be shot or worse but we do ask them to live out their lives faithfully in a difficult environment, bringing hope and healing and encouragement in their development skills, in their healthcare skills, in their education skills, and many others, and looking for opportunities. And when those opportunities do arise, to speak a word for the Lord Jesus Christ. What risks are we prepared to take in order to make Jesus known. There are times when God does the miracle. There are times that the dead are raised, the blind are made to see, people are healed, and lives are totally transformed. There are other times when our brothers and sisters have been persecuted, tortured, even sawn in two. You can read that in Hebrews 10, 37. We only need worry about stepping up to the plate. Our lives are in God's hands at all times, but especially at that moment and for the consequences beyond. Whatever happens next, we must trust the God of faithfulness for that. Do we believe in a God who, who really created this world and all that is in it? Do we believe in a God who created the heavens and the seasons? 
Do we believe in a God whose breath of life sustains this planet and our lives day after day, week after week, season after season? Do we believe in a God who gave His one and only Son to die on a cross to save us? Do we believe in that Jesus who was killed on the cross, that Jesus who was buried, that Jesus who rose to life again? Do we believe in a Holy Spirit who empowers the church, who empowers us to open our mouths, to speak out for Jesus? If the answer is yes to any of those questions, then how can we sit down and say nothing? When the moment is there and the risk is there to be grasped and taken and made available for Jesus. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's not. We have a hard task of mission work, making Jesus known in these days. I'm saying that He is very much worth it. Just as much as He is 173 years on from the day this church was founded, with a vision that people in this community would have the opportunity to worship the risen Lord. We need to, to rekindle a confidence and a passion in the gospel of making Jesus known. There's no other way. When all is said and done, that people will come to faith. And unless we do that, this church will not grow. God's kingdom will not grow unless we do something about it. Unless like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we take God at His word and stand up for Him. Stuart Townend has written a hymn called Love Incarnate, Love Divine. Some of you might know that, uh, that hymn. It's maybe one that you sing here. And uh, verse 3 goes like this, that I ask that you so fill me with your peace, your power, your breath, that I never love my life so much to shrink from facing death. I don't think the risk is death in the UK, but there are risks. Are you willing to take a risk and make Jesus known? Shall we pray?